You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. I want, why don't we just pray before we jump into the Word this morning. I just have a few thoughts uh, to share with you that kind of go together along this, the same theme that God has been speaking to us and just excited to share God's Word, but just want to take a moment to, to pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. God, we give you our hearts. We give you our, our focus, our attention. God, we love you. God, we give you this time. Holy Spirit, I ask that you do what you do best, and that is reveal Jesus to us. That you would help us to see him in his wonder, his beauty, his, his glory, his might. And God, that we would be forever captivated and fully commit to follow him with all that we have. Lord, I ask that your, your word would speak to us, that it would challenge us and, and change us and transform us to be more like Jesus. We give you all glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We did, we've just ended a series uh, over the last seven weeks of Letters to the Church. It was an amazing time, amazing series, and very challenging for many of us, uh, for all of us, I would hope. And I, we really believe that what God is saying to us as a church is He's calling us up. He's inviting us into more. He's asking, do we want to go deeper into Him? Pastor Aaron shared this, this passage of Scripture and talked about it a couple weeks ago, and we're going to talk about it more coming into this upcoming year. But Joshua 3.5 says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow I will do wonders among you. This is the Lord speaking to Joshua, to the people of Israel, before they're about to enter into the promised land. And he's inviting them into a, a time, into a place, and a season of consecration where they put themselves in a place of preparation to experience the more of what God had for them. And if you want a title for today's message, it would simply be The Divine Invitation. The divine invitation that God is inviting us, he's inviting you as an individual, he's inviting your family, and he's inviting us as a church into a deeper place into him. And when we say going deeper, what are we talking about? We're not talking about going deeper into a theme or a topic or a teaching or a doctrine or a strategy. We're talking about going deeper into the person of Jesus, going deeper into a place of experiencing and encountering him, going deeper in his presence and his personhood, going deeper into a place of knowing him more. For really, that is what life is all about, is knowing Jesus. You can know a lot, a lot about him. You can think, oh, I know him and not know him. There's a lot of people in our world today, especially in the Western world, in America, that when you talk about Jesus, they say, yes, I know Jesus. But what they're meaning is they know about Jesus. They know the historical Jesus. They know some facts and some points. And they know that at Christmas time, people think that it's about Jesus and all this stuff. But they don't know him. 
They don't know the person of him. They don't know how he thinks and how he talks. And they've never heard his voice before. They've never felt his presence. They've never, they've never experienced his love. They've never experienced the burden of sin being lifted and, and wiped away from their lives and experienced the, the, the reality of becoming a new creation and entering into a place of relationship with him, the God of all creation. This is an amazing thing that we are all invited into as humanity, that Jesus came and died on the cross and shed his blood for you and I, for us not to go into a religion or to a routine or to do rituals, but to actually go into a relationship of knowing him. Because Jesus is the topic of all topics. He's the theme of all things. Everything is about him, and everything is about knowing him. And I will not stop. We will not stop in reiterating, reemphasizing, and encouraging you to pursue knowing Jesus more than anything else because everything must come from that place. Otherwise, you miss the whole thing. You get to the end of your life and feel like you've accomplished much, but if you don't know him, you've done nothing and you have nothing. We are empty without him. And in fact, the best place to get to know him is to empty yourself and be empty so that he can come and fill you with himself. My prayer, our prayer, is that we would have the courage and the passion and the hunger of a Moses who in the cloud of the presence of God asked for more. It says about Moses that he spoke face to face with God as a man speaks to a friend. And in that moment, in the cloud of the glory of God, he said, God, show me your glory. He asked for more. He asked for more. God is inviting us into more. You may have experienced him. You may have walked with him for many years. You may know him, but there's always more. He is inexhaustible. You cannot get to all of him. This is why we have eternity, because he's going to unveil more and more of who he is. And he's inviting us to go deeper, because the deep things of him are calling to the deep things of us and the deep places of us. And he's saying, if you want me, you can have me, but are you willing to come to me? My prayer is that we would have the heart of David who cried out in Psalms 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this one thing that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, in the presence of God all the days of my life, that I would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and see him in his temple, seek him in his temple. And, in, and he says in verse eight, my heart says of you, God, seek your face, your face, Lord, I will seek. That we must have this burning cry, this hunger, this passion in our lives, that, this simplicity to say, Jesus, you're enough and I just want you. It's when we add so many other things and distractions and, and additions to our life and we complicate life and we complicate this thing called Christianity and that we begin to lose sight of Jesus. When we lose that simplicity, we lose him. It's always been about him. It's always about him. It's always about him. He's enough. I don't know about you, but Jesus is enough. We can get lost in so many things and, and desire all these things that Jesus might be able to give us and offer us in this life in him. But if we don't have him, we, we are bankrupt. When we have him, we have everything. I think of Paul's life. I think of the Apostle Paul, amazing man of God. 
And this is the simplicity but by which he lived by. This is the singleness of focus by which he, he pursued the Lord and which he led his life by. He was the greatest apostle to walk on this earth and, and ushering in the early church and planting churches and seeing the move of God. He, he wrote the majority of our New Testament with the Holy Spirit, and yet this was his heart's cry. This was his prayer. This was his life. Is right here in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. He says this to the church of Corinth. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't want, he's like, I don't want to know anything else besides Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I, as much as I desire to study and prepare messages, as much as we as a leadership team des de desire to present the Word of God to you in excellence, we are not here to try to impress you. We are here to play matchmaker where you fall in love with Jesus. If you fall in love with our teaching and our preaching and not Jesus, we have missed everything. If we can convince you of something intellectual to try to tell you how to believe and how to live and you've not encountered the person of Jesus, you don't know him, you're not saved. You could go to church your whole life and not know him. We want to lead and we want to live and have a, a place where you encounter the power of God. Where God is invited to be himself and demonstrate himself and his personhood and his, his power here in this place where you can experience and encounter him. It's not about good services. Good services happen because God shows up. This is another scripture that where Paul shared his heart. He's, he's writing to the church of Ephesus, another church. And this is a prayer that he prayed for them, that I pray for all of you, that, that we pray for you, that it says in, in Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That you may know him better. I don't know about you, but tomorrow I want to know him better than I do today. Next month, I need to know him better than I do right now. If you know him the same today as you did last year, something's missing. If you get more excited about anything else besides Jesus, something is missing. You get more excited about a prophetic word or seeing angels or demonstrations of different things or you get more excited about a sports team or your career and not Jesus, you're missing something. You need to fall in love with him. You need to know him better. In the Western world, especially in America, we have intellectualized the gospel and made it all about head knowledge and how much you can know. That was never God's plan. That was never his intention. It was always meant to be ex experiential knowing, experiential knowing of him, interaction with the person of him in his presence. Often people approach God's word, and Ken mentioned it, would they approach God's word for information, not revelation, or the interaction of the person of the word. Jesus, to know him, 
He reveals His heart. He reveals His ways. He reveals His nature. How He thinks in this book. If it's hard for you to read the Bible, you need to know Him better. You need to fall in love with Him. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 3. Excuse me, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 8. He says, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Jesus Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Here's Paul. He's seen amazing things. He's seen it all. I mean, he's seen people raised from the dead. He himself raised from the dead. He's been shipwrecked. He's seen angels come and visit him. He, he has seen the people delivered from demons, people healed. He's seen people saved, cities transformed by God. He's seen amazing, incredible things. And at the end of his life, while he's sitting in a jail cell, while he's writing this letter, he's saying, you know what? Better than anything else I've ever had, better than anything else I've ever learned or experienced, I want to know Jesus. I'll take all, all this other stuff, I'll take it and I'll throw it away. It's trash compared to knowing him. We have to have this cry. I don't know about you, but Jesus is enough. If he's not enough for you, I encourage you to give him your whole life to know him better. Bill Johnson says this, the deeper we go in him, the less we can take with us. Jesus is inviting us closer, inviting us into more, to the person of himself, to go deeper in him. And the deeper we go, the less we can take with us. It's an invitation into death to self. It's an invitation into you laying your life down, following the model of our king, and saying, Jesus, I give you everything. See, one of the problems with our American gospel and this Western world is we present a gospel that says, come to Jesus and he will make everything better in your life. Come to Jesus and he'll forgive your sins. Now you can go to heaven and you just need to go to church and give some money and be a nice person and everything will be better in your life. That is not the gospel. The gospel is come to Jesus, give him everything. He's in charge. You're not following yourself anymore. You're following him. He's in control. Die to yourself and follow him. This is not my own words. This is not my interpretation of the gospel. This is not me making this up. This is what Jesus actually has always invited us into. The few dare to go there. We want to be in control. But really what it is is we're not in love. Think about it. When you meet that special someone in your life that you realize, I want to marry them. I want to spend the rest of my life with them. All of a sudden, everything in your life begins to change for the better. But it also requires a lot of change. Change of schedule, change of priorities, change of finances. 
you want to introduce that person to everyone that's important to you in your life. You can't stop thinking about them. You can't stop talking to them or about them to other people. You are in love. We don't want to give up control in our life because we're not in love. When you're in love, you give everything, and it doesn't feel like it costs you a thing. It costs Jesus everything to come and to die and give his life for you. But I tell you, because he loved you so much, it didn't feel like it cost him a thing. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. This is what Jesus says. John 12. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now Jesus is talking about himself as the kernel of wheat, that unless he dies, unless he goes into the ground and dies, he will only remain a single seed. And so, yes, he died on that cross. And because of his death, many seeds, you and I are the part of those seeds, have come to bear harvest, have come to fruit because of his death. But did you notice that he invites us into the same thing? You yourself are a seed, and inside of you are many seeds. And if you don't choose to plant yourself in him and be willing to die to yourself, what God has planted in you cannot come to bear fruit, cannot come to harvest. Jesus isn't saying that we need to be mopey, depressed, discouraged Christians, where, we, where he says you, if you don't hate your life in this world, you, 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 will, you won't have real life. He's not saying that we go walking around like Eeyore's, I hate my life, my life is terrible. I mean, like that represents Jesus really well, right? Come to Jesus, he's so awesome. I mean, do you guys forget that in the presence of God is fullness of joy? He's happy. He's joyful. Now, I know that at times when I speak, I'm, I'm either crying or very intense at times. But I'm always really happy, honestly. I just have to work on helping my face show it more. But on the inside, I'm really happy. It's really hard to be happy and smiling and then preach on the intensity and love of Jesus. It's just, I, I haven't learned it yet. I'm growing. It's hard to smile and talk at the same time, too. A lot of you women can do it really well. I have no idea how you do it. I can't. But this is what Jesus invites us into is this wonderful thing of death to self. He's really interested in your death because eternal life and resurrection is way better for you. This is what Jesus said in Luke 9. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. These are Jesus' words. These are not mine. I'm not making this up. 
I want to present to you the full gospel of what Jesus invites us into. Whoever wants to be my disciple. And notice it's a whoever. The gospel is available for whoever would respond, whoever would respond to the invitation, whoever would come to him. He's always got open arms for everyone. And he invites us, us, in, us into himself to know him, to follow him, to follow in his example of dying to ourselves and laying our life down to him and to others. We must give him everything and put him at the center here at this time and Christmas time, we have so many amazing things that we can that point to Jesus. But I often think about when Jesus was in the mother, his mother's womb, and, and Mary, and and they're on their way to Bethlehem, and they arrive to Bethlehem, and they try to find a place for Mary to give birth, and there's no room in the inn, and he has to be born in a manger, in a box, in a stable, because. There was no room, and often in our lives we make no room for Jesus. Or we think, okay, I'll be really good. I'll make a room available for you, Jesus, in my inn. And Jesus is not interested in a room in your inn. And often we put Jesus in the manageable manger, put him in a box, because we like God in a box better than the uncontrolled God, because we like to be in control. And then... Jesus is like, I'm not interested in your manger, your box, or a room in your inn. I want the keys to the whole inn. I want the deed to the whole inn. In fact, I don't want just the inn. I want your city. Jesus would go into cities in, in faith and in belief that the whole city would turn to him. And often he was rejected, turned away because they did not believe in who he was. They would not receive him for who he was. They didn't believe that he was who he was. He went to Nazareth, his hometown, and they said, who's this guy? Isn't this Jesus, Mary and Joseph's son? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? Isn't he just a carpenter? And it says that he was shocked at their lack of faith. He was limited and hindered by their lack of faith, their unbelief, to be able to do miracles there. He only could heal a few sick people. I mean, think about it. We'd be super excited if a few sick people got healed. But how much are we hindered because of a lack of faith? How much are we hindered because of pride? Really, a lack of hunger that says, Jesus, we want you to be all of who you are. We believe in all who you are. We want all of what you paid for to become reality, and we release you to be yourself in our place, in our midst, in our lives. You can have the end. Have the keys. We must give him everything. I want to talk about one of my favorite topics in all of the kingdom of God. It's fasting. We've just announced it in the last couple weeks, January 6th through 26th, a 21-day time of prayer and fasting. Notice prayer and fasting. If you're only fasting and not praying more, you're just doing a weird diet. You're just starving yourself. That's no fun. Prayer and fasting. I want to read a scripture for you. Mark 2, 18 says, now Jesus, now excuse me, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples, John the Baptist, and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not. Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them. But the time will come 
when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will fast. Fasting was always meant to be a regular practice of our lives. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, when you fast, do it this way. Meaning it's not an if, but a when. It's supposed to be a regular thing that we do. And for me, fasting is about a cry for more. It's about, I'm more hungry for you, Jesus, than I am for food. In the springtime of this 2019 year, I felt the Lord speak to me that I was going to fast 21 days in this coming January, water only. And I laughed at the Lord. I said, you're crazy. That's impossible. I can't do that. No way, I'm not doing that. That can't be the Lord. And just like Jesus does with all of us, with everything, just kept knocking on that whole thing. Hey, uh, it's me. And by about June, July, I was like, I couldn't shake it. I was like, okay, Lord, if you want me to do this, this is insane. You better have a good plan for how this is going to work. And he began to show me, just like anything we do in life, you train. You train. You prepare. You practice many things that you need to do to be, get better at it. I thought it would be impossible to fast five days, water only. Because the longest I'd ever done was three for you, you might think that three days is impossible because the longest you've ever done is zero or one. I got to five. So what the Lord did was he said, fast one day, water only. Okay, Lord, sounds great. I got that one. The next month, three days, water only. Okay, I can do that one. The next month, five days. Uh, yeah, you're crazy. But then all of a sudden, day five, it's like, wow, I'm here. I almost feel like I could go, go longer, but I'm food. <laughs> then seven days the next month. Then 10 the next month. Praise God that I'm in December right now because I'm hiber getting ready for hibernation. I'm adding as much weight as possible for January. No fasting in December. It's not about not eating. It's not about how you do it. Oh, it is about how you do it, but it's not about like a number. But I would encourage you, each one of you, to ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you fast and how he would have you fast for these 21 days. And I would encourage you, and I would highly ask you to really consider fasting water only for at least a portion of this 21 days. Maybe you can't do all 21. Maybe you aren't going to do more than five or three, but we can all do three. I'll be honest, okay? Now, day three is the hardest one. You get past day three, you feel like you're coasting until you get about day seven. And then you want to die. But then all of a sudden, day nine comes, and you get a second wind. What is Jesus saying in Mark chapter two about fasting? That one day when he's gone, we will fast. I believe that fasting is the cry of Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Where the bride cries out to the bridegroom, return, Lord, we want you. We want to be with you face to face. When you fast, I just want to share some things that, I, that I've at least received from fasting these last few months. When you fast... Your awareness of him and his power incre increases in your life because you get out of the way. 
You die to yourself in fasting. You want to know how to die to yourself fast? It really works. I would encourage you not to fast for any side benefit. Okay, weight loss, weight loss program coming into the new year. Sounds amazing. No, don't do it for that. I would recommend not even weighing yourself. I was scared to weigh myself by my de- during my 10-day fast. Don't do it. Don't do it in obligation. Don't feel like you have to, but we really are asking that you would participate. Fast out of love for him. Fast out of hunger for him. Fasting increases your faith. I tell you what, my faith for a seven-day fast was much higher after I had done five. My faith for a 10-day fast was much higher after I had done seven. Fasting increases your faith. When God speaks to you, he gives you the grace to do what he's told you to do. If you can do it in your own effort and your own strength, where is the dependency on him? Man, I'm telling you what, fasting has taught me about dependence on the Lord. Oh God, I need your strength, I need your energy, I need your brain power, I have a fasting brain, I can't even remember things right now. God, I need your help. And he's like, why don't you need me like that every day? Fasting increases your patience. Jesus is not in a hurry. The only thing that Jesus is in a hurry about is, hurry, come to me. Fasting kills the fear of man. And fasting increases your hunger for him. I want to know him more than I want to eat food. And I like food. I really do. But I want him more, and I want to know him more than to eat food. And I want to see all that he paid for become reality in my life, and in this church, in this city, in this region. And I want that more than I want food. Something has to rise up inside of you where you say, whatever the cost, I'm hungry, I'm desperate. Whatever it takes, God, I want you. I'm hungry for a different type of food, the bread of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from his mouth. In our death to self, I would encourage you to allow yourself to be planted, the seed of your life to be planted in a place that is healthy, that has good soil, where you can begin to bear fruit in your life. I'm talking about this church here. Plant yourself here. There's many, many Christians that go from place to place and never put roots down and therefore they can never actually die to their self because I'm telling you what, there's one thing besides fasting that helps you die to yourself. It's called rubbing shoulders with the family of God. If it hasn't happened yet, it probably will. Somebody here or myself or one of our leaders will offend you. Jesus says when offenses come, so offense comes, it's how you handle it. But God gives you a grace to be unoffendable. 
where you can say, I will not allow offense to become bitterness or unforgiveness in my life. I can't see anywhere in Scripture where there is room for unforgiveness or bitterness or offense in your life. And yet people never bear fruit in their lives because they get offended by someone in a church or the pastor, and so they leave and they go somewhere else thinking that they will be fine. I'll just find another place that's more comfortable for me where I'll be used or recognized. What's your motive? God is into him being recognized through your life, which means you have to die. Let's put down roots together. Let's be committed to not allow any division or unforgiveness or divisiveness to come in our midst and that we would walk unified together. In unity together. We might not be able to agree on every style, every expression, every form, every sports team, every whatever topic you want to name, but we can be unified around Jesus. We can be unified about putting down roots together, dying together, so that we can live together and do family together and see God move. In that place of dying to self, you recognize that you coming here, you being a part of this family, that it's not about you. That it's about him and it's about others. And so therefore, I'm in a part of a family. And so because I'm a part of a family, I, I have a responsibility. I have a privilege. I have an honor to protect the family, to protect the unity of the family, to honor the family and to serve the family and to serve the community in which I am in. We need your help. What God has called us to do, we cannot do alone. We cannot do as a, as a senior leadership team, as an eldership team, as a staff, or as the current team of volunteers that we have now. That team of volunteers needs to be expanded. If you're here and this is your church home and you are not serving in any specific area of ministry within this house, I would encourage you to please start doing so. Come to one of us and say, how can I begin to serve? Most likely we will say, please go to our belong class first. Or if you already have, great, let's get you plugged in. What are you passionate about? What are your talents? What are your gifts? What do you have on your heart to do? Great, that's awesome. Well, actually, we really need you to change diapers. And it's okay because you're dead. We might say, hey, it's getting really full in here. Can you fill up the middle and leave the outside parts of the, the room available for new guests and people who come in late? You can't make me move from my seat. This is my seat. It doesn't matter. You're dead. That spirit of religion is dead in you. We might say, hey, it's 2020. We're going to go to a third service. We're gonna need your help to do a lot more around here. It's the day's gonna get longer. Praise the Lord for growth, for harvest, for in increase. I'm dead, let's do it. We might ask more of you. Go to the Lord. Let him end your old self. There's a scripture I wanna read, but I don't have time where he literally talks about that. <laughs> and then put your roots down. Be planted. 
Don't let anything uproot you. Remove the stony ground. Remove the thorns. Don't let the devil rob you from being fruitful anymore in your life. Don't allow unforgiveness or offense or bitterness or uh, a lack of being recognized or uh, an opportunity to do something and you didn't get it to like cause you to want to leave. Put your roots down and begin to be a part of this family. You, we love you. We, we are here for you. And, and we want to see God move in this region and we need your help to do it. We want, we want believers who follow Jesus who want to make a difference. If you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, if you want to be a part of something that wants to see city transformation, regional transformation, state transformation, worldwide transformation, you're a part of the right place. We're not interested in comfortable Christianity. We're not here to play games and just do nice services. We are here to see lives forever changed. And I think that that's what Jesus had in mind when it came to his church. Would you please stand with me? There's a high chance that I've already offended you in this service. I am not perfect. Our leadership team is not perfect. But we love you unconditionally. And we're here for you. If you have offense in your life, you have unforgiveness towards someone, maybe it's someone else in this room, someone else in this church, someone in your family, someone in your workplace, someone in your life, you need to forgive that person. You need to let that offense go. You need to repent for holding unforgiveness and offense in your heart towards that person. The enemy has access to torment and torture your soul, your body, your family, and your life if you are walking in unforgiveness. I know that's intense and that's strong, but that is the Bible. We have no right to have unforgiveness and not forgive someone because of how much Jesus has forgiven us. We can't let the petty things, the little things, the foxes that spoil the vine, we can't let these little things become big things and cause us to not walk together as a family. The family is growing. Don't let it bother you. Embrace it. Jump in. Be a part. Let God move in the way he wants to move here. But I'm telling you, more than anything, to bring it back to the simplicity of everything, of what really matters, the Lord is inviting you to himself. He is inviting you to go deeper in him, to know him more, to allow your life to be forever transformed with knowing him. Let the cry of Moses, let the cry of David, let the cry of Paul resonate in your heart and in your life to say, Jesus, no matter what I've seen in this life, no matter whatever I had, what I have now, it's all nothing compared to knowing you. I just want to know you more. Lord, I ask that for every person here in this place. Oh, God, that you would come and wreck us with your wonderful love. God, that we would be in love with you because, Lord, when we're in love with you, we're captivated by you. We pursue you. We just want more of you. You're enough for us. You satisfy every desire, everything inside. Oh, God, we just want you more. And, Lord, when we are in love with you, God, the, the ask of dying to self and giving up control and following you and giving you everything is not hard, Lord, because your love for us is so amazing and you love us so much. 
So Lord, I ask for your grace for every person here that you, we would know you and experience your love in such a real powerful way, God, that we're willing to surrender and follow you and put our roots down and allow our, our lives to become many seeds, God, that you can turn for your glory to see this world change and transform. We thank you, Jesus. We give you all praise and glory. Amen.